0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And we're here today to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 223, the November 1987 issue on sale August 11, 1987. Cover price 75 cents. This one's titled Omens and Portents.
1: And this it's, cover's
0: got uh, Storm with fighting a snake.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a cover of Storm fighting a snake. And she's mad looking she got a big old dagger it's it's a good picture of a snake and she's, uh, she's very busty
0: the uh is she
1: yeah, yeah boobs <laughs> all over the place man
0: I guess um the snake's head or mouth is twice the size of her head
1: yeah this as, snake could eat her no problem
0: that's one heck of a snake
1: naze is in the background reaching out towards us um just to, uh, this isn't one of my like this isn't one of my favorite covers. Is not? Nah. I mean it's drawn uh it's drawn well and actually although uh look at her leg. I don't know if the intent is that her leg is phasing through the snake or if the snake is wrapping around her leg, but her leg kind of just disappears.
0: Uh I believe it is wrapped around.
1: Yeah, I don't know looks weird looks like she's got kitty's power
0: but that part of the snake doesn't seem to be attached to any other part of the snake
1: that's kind of what i'm saying there's like these uh purple little um wind drawings that are kind of in front that could maybe be covering up like the where the snake is kind of uh encircling her but yeah it's it's very difficult at that level to say tell where the snake is coming from and where it's going but whatever i don't care
0: do you buy this as a t-shirt?
1: Well, I mean, yes, <laughs> just because, like, it's a pretty striking image, and if the, if somebody, like, you know, spent the time and the money to put this on a T-shirt, and I was at Hot Topic, and it was, like, $12, I'd buy it. It's very
0: colorful. As a kid uh, and... You're, you're at the comic shop or the newsstand, and you see this cover. Do you buy it?
1: Uh, no. And it's probably like my inner racism coming out. Because I see like the Indian in the background, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like some sort of a spiritual comic book. Give me that Transformers. Really? I,
0: that's hardly identifiable as an Indian. The guy in the background with the feather coming out of his headband. And, uh, I don't. I don't see that as like. There, nothing screams. Yeah, he's got a feather in his he's, in his cap. He's got but... a.
1: No, he's not wearing a cap. It's a headband. He's got long hair. And he's got a feather sticking out of it. That man is an Indian.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I. He's got, got a, <clears throat> he's got a cool '80s jacket. It looks like from here.
1: And it's not that I have anything against Indians or ever had anything against Indians, but I would be drawn towards. A picture of Wolverine or a Transformer or G.I. Joe. I would not be drawn towards the snake eating the woman with the Indian in the background.
0: I, I see a guy in a headband with a cool <laughs> 80s jacket. He's probably just got off his motorcycle. Well,
1: <laughs> maybe. Anyways, yeah. Uh, it's a Gimmel and Green or Gamel and Green cover, and it's a Gamel and Green issue. Uh, it's written by Chris Claremont. Uh, as I said, Carrie Gamble is the guest penciler. Dan Green is the inker. Tom Morzakowski is lettering. Glennis Oliver is the colorist, and Nisanti is the editor. And Tom Defalco, what is the editor in chief?
0: Oh, is this the Jim Shooter's gone?
1: I feel like it. I don't. I don't recall saying Tom Defalco's name last time.
0: Oh, you're right. Yep. Last issue, Jim <laughs> Shooter, editor in chief. This issue, Tom Defalco, editor in chief. Boom. Uh,
1: we're at the end of an era, folks. The end of the shooter.
0: There won't be another Secret Wars for – well, there there will be another one. Yeah. I mean, technically, there will be another two.
1: There's a Secret War, which I think is loosely right. tied in, and then I – w-
0: I was counting that one. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> I only read parts of it, and I didn't understand what the point of it was.
0: That uh, – yeah. Well, if you bought the first issue they came out – I think it came out like one issue a year, so I, I don't uh, – I'm not surprised you didn't finish it.
1: (laughs) Well, I didn't buy it off the stand. I found a copy of it laying somewhere on the internet. And I was like, Secret War? Well, I'll pick that up. And then I read the issue and it was like Spider-Man and some other, you know, B-level heroes and villains. And I was really confused because I think Venom was there too. And it's like Spider-Man and Venom were hanging out. And I'm like, I don't know what happened here, but these two shouldn't be hanging out with one another.
0: It doesn't connect to – secret wars at all, and I honestly don't remember the plot, but what I think it was about was that Nick Fury brainwashes a bunch of superheroes and villains to do a covered operation, and then that's a secret war, hmm. and that's all that I can recall.
1: The tie-in that I recall was that Spider-Man was explaining to the rest, it was like, many years ago a guy named the Beyonder took us to a battle planet, this could be that place! And then it went on from there. Hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you're right, like it wasn't actually... Beyond or or secret wars or anything
0: but i own a couple of those issues but i don't know if i ever finished it just because it came out once a year i'm exaggerating but (laughs) that's what it
1: felt like so we open up this issue and we see the crimson commando and stonewall and they are in uh well they're in valerie cooper's office or something
0: is this like a are they in the Pentagon or the White House or something? Uh, I don't know. It says it's a mile from the White House.
1: Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Let's call it the Pentagon. Because I think no, it's not in the Pentagon, because later on we see that they're in like a house.
0: Uh, well, but didn't didn't we learn mm-hmm. earlier that uh Freedom Force has a office in the Pentagon?
1: They do. They absolutely do. Somewhere in the basement, there's the, the mutant
0: offices. But apparently this is not it.
1: This is not that. And uh, Valerie Cooper is informing uh, us that uh, their crimes um, have been commuted uh, to service with the Federal Enhanced Power Strike Team, otherwise known as Freedom Force. So uh, they took a plea bargain, I guess. I don't know what the government gets. Well, I guess the government gets a couple more super-powered uh, weapons at their disposal.
0: Yeah, these guys are no small potatoes.
1: Mystique's not happy about her, and I guess we should mention that on the next page, the rest of uh, Freedom Force is there, and she's all like, Ugh, who are these old people? You t- pick terrible people. Remember when you picked Spider-Woman and she turned out to be terrible?
0: Valerie Cooper takes responsibility for uh, Spider-Woman Spider rather uh, deserting the team, which is why the rest of Freedom Force didn't get penalized. Not sure why. Oh, oh yeah. The deal is that if anybody does something bad on the team, everybody gets penalized. So nobody got penalized for Spider Woman doing something bad, which was rescuing the Avengers at the time, as I recall. Which doesn't seem all that bad.
1: <laughs> yes, um, yes. So that, that I guess that's a new. Um... Uh, part of the deal is that the whole, if one person uh, double-crosses, then they all, they're all in trouble. Well, I think that was
0: always part of the deal, but this is the first time that it's being spelled out.
1: And so Blob is like, uh, you're Stonewall, huh? I hear that you can't be moved. Well, I'm the Blob, and he pushes on Stonewall, and the Blob goes flying backwards because evidently Stonewall can't be knocked over, just like the Juggernaut. And the Blob.
0: Yeah. Except (laughs) the Blob does fall over and lands on his favorite chair and his chips and his bruise. Oh, my God. His bruise. What happened to me? What happened to me?
1: What (laughs) happened to you? That's the Blob's catchphrase for this issue. It only lasts for a panel, but it's a catchphrase. (laughs) Now, if they put what happened to me on a T-shirt... (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'd wear that. I don't like that the Freedom Force logo is very similar to the Fantastic Four logo. Mm. Let's see if we can keep what happened to me alive. What but happened to me? I'm gonna forget about it. <laughs> the uh, problem that I have with this is that when Blob pushes Stonewall, he says, "You're supposed to be the guy. You're supposed to be the guy who can't be knocked down. Only Storm did it to you twice. How does Blob know that? He read the files. What files? Who? Like,
1: the files. nobody was
0: there. Nobody was
1: there. You see, as a part of this pardon and the program, Valerie took Cooper took detailed statements from everybody. And Stonewall, under Crimson uh, Commander's uh, instruction, was told to be as absolutely honest as possible.
0: No way. <laughs> totally happened. Stone- Stonewall's not, like, bragging about, well, yeah, she knocked me down twice. She's crazy. I like her. Knocked me down
1: twice. Crimson Commando here. He says, "He's a proud man. He won't be caught guard off guard so easily again. So that'll never happen. So because I said so, we never have to worry about it again."
0: We all have flaws, and mine's smoking. And he lights a <laughs> cigarette, and uh, FlamO uses his powers, pyro. <laughs> Pyro's name should have been Flamo. o uh,
1: Yes, in another galaxy it was. And that's <laughs> uh, when Spiral detects another presence and she says that she has to go take care of it.
0: And she plinks out of existence. Mystique tells us that she dances between dimensions and manipulates realities. Whoever is this, coming this way, I pity him. Cut to outside where Avalanche is mowing the lawn, uh, or I guess manipulating the lawn <laughs>
1: So this is this is an interesting thing. Like I never I never really read the captions when I was reading comic books as a kid. So I thought that this was just some like mutant slave of Freedom <laughs> Forces just out doing yard work. And and it is a mutant who's doing yard work, but it's actually Avalanche, and we get a little bit of his personality where he's he's got a headband on, he's got some overalls, and he's like a little nudge hero, a furrow there, should take care of this uh steeply
0: sloped land. Huh. You know, if he had a feather in his in his headband, he could be the guy on the cover.
1: Negative, because the guy in the cover also had long hair, as denoted by the part at the very top of his head. This guy, guy is a crew
0: cut. You know what? I the, the, the hair could be part of his jacket. It could be the... Uh, no, it's on the top the, of his
1: head. How could it be part of his jacket?
0: Well, this guy has hair on his head. He
1: doesn't have like a big part like somebody who has long hair and no bangs does. It's
0: a shadow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I don't think you're looking at the same picture as I am.
0: In fact, I'm I'm saying that Avalanche is using his avalanche powers in this very photo. <laughs> That's why he's got his hand pointed at the uh, at the audience. Well, anyways, or the snake, I suppose.
1: I, I so I never connected that it was Avalanche, but I appreciate that in this brief little four panel thing, we get like a little bit of like. Avalanche likes to garden. He's a man of the earth, and he, he uses his powers for destruction, yes, but he also uses his powers to do a little bit of landscaping.
0: A nudge here, a furrow there should take care of any problems with erosion. My lawn is my life. Heck, yeah. Did you know that his name was Dominic S- Szilard, which I'm going to have to say, as you pr- as, a, as, a, as a kid, you probably pronounced it Dominic Slizzard.
1: Slizzard. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I didn't really read the captions, so no. <laughs> the only way I would have possibly known his name is if he would have been in the Marvel superheroes role-playing game, one of the hero books, and I think he was, or one of the character books, and I think he was, but the name Dominic uh does not stick out in my head, like Fred Dukes, per se.
0: His supervillain name should have been the Slizzard,
1: Or Mortimer Toyonby.
0: I don't even know who that is.
1: That's Toad, man. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> okay. so yeah, his name did not stick out. In fact, uh, we just read Crimson Commando and Stonewall's names, and I've already forgotten them.
0: Uh, one of them is Lewis. Uh, I saw a Lewis. The, Lewis Hamilton. I got it. Yes.
1: Ding ding ding. And Frank Bohannon. Yeah.
0: The Crimson Commando. Who's what is what are his powers? Cause he's a tracker. tracker. He's a tracker. Oh, he's a He's a tracker. I guess. Okay. I,
1: don't, I don't know. Uh, and it turns out that there's a speedster heading towards the house, and he knocks over Avalanche, and... Is it the Wizard? It's probably the Wizard or Quicksilver. Okay. Quicksilver's back to be like, hey, I used to be a Brotherhood of Evil Mutant.
0: Or The Flash.
1: Oh, it might be the Flash, going back in time or doing
0: whatever what he does. What am I doing in this universe? Marr!
1: Well, Spiral teleports out of her dimension, sticks her foot out, and it's... What's his face?
0: He never sees the foot that trips him. No, seriously, even, what's, his, what's his face? Well, we haven't got there yet. Oh, it's on the next page. But we know him. Fast guy. Fast guy. It's fast guy. Uh, even though he twists in midair like a cat ready to run the moment, ready to run the moment his legs touch the ground... She teleports to where he goes and catches him with all six of her hands. It's kind of kind of a fun panel. Um, and then she puts a knife to his throat and says, Shall I slay him for you, Mystique? And that's when Crimson Commando reveals that this is actually Martin Fletcher or the Super, super Sabre.
1: Yes, and they <coughs> they they thought that Super Sabre had been killed. A couple of issues back, and Super Saber, you know, in typical comics form, was like, eh, I've been through worse, I laid low, licked my wounds, I'm good though. Heard about you in Freedom Force, thought I'd either uh, f- um, bust you out or join up myself.
0: That's how important a character is. We don't even get a flashback to see how he survived.
1: Doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> no, it really doesn't. But if this were Wolverine, you know you'd get like a detailed flashback, I survived by a drinking milk.
1: I ate my leg, which grew back, and I ate it again, which grew back. <laughs> I just kept feeding off of myself. Mystique's like, you're arrogant. What makes you think? And that's when everybody hears Destiny screaming from the upstairs. They all run in, and Mystique says, Irene! Because I guess that's her pet name.
0: Why isn't it just Irene?
1: That's a good question.
0: It's, uh, t- apparently Chris Clement did not have a r- relative name, Irene
1: what's wrong old friend and and uh she's darkness is my teeth tearing oh god (laughs) (laughs) i'll summarize uh she sees nothing but death for rogue and the rest of the x-men in all of the timelines she checked
0: she was she was peeking in on rogue as she does from time to time and as you said yes they she she they they disappear
1: death Um,
0: darkness oblivion
1: the x-men are going to die she screams
0: which uh since i know what happens but i forgot this scene ever happened this is kind of neat
1: yeah yeah that's as if there was a little bit of a plan yeah yeah meanwhile in the rocky mountains uh storm catches a fish and she falls in the water and Naze laughs at her
0: but he's sick
1: yes then he's like oh i'm sick uh he falls into the water storm fishes him out He's like, "Oh, remember those things we fought the I got, eye
0: killers. I
1: got scratched, you know I'm poison. you gotta You make, got
0: scratched too
1: yeah, yeah, we you gotta make me some of my formula. now go. This is all forge is doing. He's bad.
0: The stronger his influence grows, the weaker my power is g gro- uh, I get I guess I thought I could take him, but it turns out." um i was wrong so you got you got to do this alone we get well, a- he, he says you got to do you got to fight and win alone but then uh, we see them later and i don't care it doesn't about this seem like that <laughs> <laughs> now, this that, you know let's, let's, let's give this this is this is a very important part of this issue let's not skim over it it's a setup yes he's
1: sick he needs her to go do something alone but he also needs some medicine forge's fault magics, all that stuff we get a throwaway page, in my opinion, a whole page of like one dude who's like, I hate mutants I like blacks, but I don't like mutants.
0: Who's with he goes me? On, he goes on for six panels. This is so like, I, yeah, this was there ready to be some payoff for this. And it's so if, if there
1: was payoff, for example, uh, Little little teeny tiny spoiler. There's a reporter that's featured uh, prominently in Fall of the Mutants. If the reporter was the same reporter as here, then I feel like there's a payoff. But this is some dude named like Mr. B. Mr. B. It's just Mr. B. Who's a reporter who's like. I- I don't know. It's it's really weird. Like I thought this was going to go somewhere in this issue. Like maybe one of these guys is going to get uh tangled up with Sabretooth and an X-Man's going to save him. But no, he's just he's just running off his mouth of like maybe it's just amping up the mutant hysteria so to kind of tie in with the pages of X-Factor.
0: Cuz well, that's he, what it feels like it's doing is is but like Mr. B never there's this isn't even a conversation. This is one guy going off and there there isn't there isn't an argument here it's just you know you don't see two sides of anything it's just kind of weird
1: Mr. B looks like he was supposed to get some word balloons because if you look at his third panel, he's got his hand out and his pencil and his paper, like he's trying to maybe describe the other position. Yeah, but, I, but, I
0: saw but, that. But, but yeah, apparently uh, Patrick Claremont just decided he was going to go off.
1: Yeah. So it's just this guy who's wearing a pink shirt that says human and proud of it, just going off about how evil mutants were. And if, if, his If he had, if one of his kids was a mutant, he'd probably kill the monster.
0: His argument is that mutants aren't human beings. And that's it. That's the whole argument. Right. Like, I, it doesn't need to be seven panels long.
1: <laughs> it's very long. Anyways, uh, then we shift our attention once again to Alcatraz. Uh, Rogue's doing some reconnaissance. She's trying to track down the marauders, but she can't find them. And uh, so, as the X-Men do, and there's a little bit of downtime, they are practicing their skin.
0: You know, if I'm editing this comic, I put this scene directly after the Freedom Force stuff just because, I don't know, it... Destiny was talking about Rogue, and then we cut over to Rogue.
1: Oh, sure. Right, right, right. I thought you were talking about I, the Mutant Hysteria stuff. Because if I was editing well, this, I would have taken that page out and put an ad here. Well,
0: well, let's say let's say we can't do that. Like Then I would put the Storm stuff after this stuff, and then the, the Mutant Hysteria page in between this and the Madeline Pryor stuff. But... Okay.
1: Or as an epilogue, maybe. Well, but an epilogue kind of sets up like the next story. So.
0: Because there's sort of a there's sort of a connecting panel in the Madeline stuff, but. Yeah. Vaguely.
1: Anyways, uh, Dazzler and Longshot are practicing. Dazzler or uh, Longshot flings some knives knives off to Dazzler. She does this tricky maneuver where she uses her laser beams to ricochet all of the knives away from her, but she misses one, which is coming right toward her neck. Oh, man.
0: And Rogue, who was previously flying around San Francisco looking for the Marauders, which, I don't know, seems kind of a silly thing to do. Seems like a waste. Yeah, I mean, they know that the Marauders are gone. Wolverine's just giving the team busy work. It seems like. So rogue manages to see this all happening, and the nick of time she flicks uh, Longshot's blade out of the way with a whap and grabs Dazzler. Says, lucky for you, I'm always around to cover you.
1: Yep, uh... Wolverine jumps down from wherever he was and uh, uh, starts giving Dazzler the business, saying that she was grandstanding with that ricochet stunt. She says, Wolvie, do you mind your cigar smoke? My voice, I'm a singer.
0: Thought you were an X-Man. Which is it, girl? Make up your mind. This is no game. I'm a great leader. So he pops his
1: claws and he says, if you're going to be on the team, you got to be ready for, and he turns around, anything! And with his knives, he goes towards the team. Dazzler and Longshot are able to get out of the way. Uh, Dazzler dazzle blasts him in the eye so that he's blind. Rogue flips him over and jumps on top of him and is like, ah, you're beat. Say,
0: Uncle, now real nice and maybe I'll let you finish up your beer. We get a classic Wolverine smile. Fair move, darling, but you got to watch this tendency to think the fight's over when it's only just begun. He grabs uh, her upper body with his feet, flips her over, puts his hands directly under her chin, and says, "I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give you some class, city, unless you say, uncle."
1: <laughs> well, he doesn't say that, but but yeah, well, he
0: shoulda. <laughs> he shoulda.
1: <laughs> And she's not really willing to test uh whether or not she is vulnerable or invulnerable to his claws, so she says uncle and uh Wolverine, he's an upstanding guy, is like, All right, hope you learned a lesson. Here have a beer. Here's
0: here's here's a question. So Wolverine's adamantium claws, are they they're technically not organic. Are they technically connected to like like if his claws touched Rogue, would she absorb his power? I don't think so. Because like I they are directly sort of connected to it's, him. It's
1: always how- it's always described as flesh on flesh contact. So I think if you could bite Rogue, as long as your lips didn't touch her, I don't think she'd absorb your powers. Or your hair could brush up against her.
0: Or you well, could- I know in in a in a much much future uh, a far a much farther future issue of of something or other, uh, Rogue is able to absorb somebody's power because they. They spit on her or something? No. Something like that.
1: Unless their mutant power is, like, having some of their genome in their spit. That seems really, really far-fetched. Yeah, I
0: don't know. But that, that connection is...
1: Whereas having having your mutant powers in your spit, that's not far-fetched. That's totally really realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so uh, Rogue gets a beer, and she's like, Oh my god, Wolverine gave me a beer! And a compliment! And the wonders
0: never cease.
1: they uh they 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 wonder about Havoc and Ms. Pryor as both of them essentially have lost
0: the loves of their lives. It's as though their hearts have been torn out, maybe forever. Miss uh,
1: Madeline Pryor is standing up on a hill and she's she's just thinking to herself, looking out on uh, the sunset, wondering how she got here, why did how did what did she do to deserve this? She's, got she's to- holding she's holding
0: a newspaper and one of the articles in the newspaper is Who's human? Which I wonder if that connects at all to the Mr. B thing, maybe. or if it's supposed to. But I mean, I Mr. B took place in Queens, right? So it, he wouldn't be in a San Francisco paper unless he's I don't know unless the articles get moved around. Maybe Who he's knows?
1: maybe he's syndicated. Yeah, maybe for, for front page of all newspapers. Uh, so, so
0: I was wondering if that was a purposeful connection, or if it's just a because why else is she holding a newspaper? Like there's there's. <laughs> I think it's just no other reason.
1: I don't know. It's fuel to the fire. Mutants battle rips downtown X-Men city saviors or destroyers. So it's an article about the thing that just happened and it's because of her. So I think it's just why me? Why did I marry Scott? Why did I have a baby? Why did he leave? Why did the Morlock come shoot me? Why is my identity uh, erased? And where, where where's my baby now?
0: Well, it's, it's, these are all fair questions because none of this is happening because of her. It's it's happening to her like she is just a victim of all of this stuff that is surrounding her.
1: Well, I feel like the newspaper is just like, you know, the thing that put her over the edge where she's like, oh, and now there's this. I don't know. Maybe not. But I mean, it it is featured prominently here because she keeps going on with her conversation um, uh, in her we, head, her we, thought balloon.
0: We do get for the first time. If you're not reading X Factor, we learn about how her life has been erased This is the first time in the pages of X-Men, I think, that we get to see that, where uh, she wakes up in the hospital, and when uh, when she wakes up, uh, every trace of her life, including her child, has been completely erased from any kind of uh, documentation. Uh, She doesn't exist. People don't believe that she ever had a child because there's no record of it. So Mm -hmm. if if you're not reading X-Factor, this is kind of a big deal.
1: This This is a bomb drop, I guess, or maybe you don't care because you're like, who's this woman? (laughs) <laughs> because I mean, the last uh, time you there's saw that too, right? You haven't well, seen she's her. She's
0: been in a couple of issues. So
1: yeah, like 201. So like two years ago. So if you're a new well, man, no, she, she,
0: she got kidnapped by the marauders. She was just in 221 and 222 and yeah. the one where she was in the ambulance. Yeah, well,
1: that's true. But yeah, if you were a newer reader, you'd be like, why do I care about this woman?
0: Because she's getting attacked by the Marauders. That's it.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: And this might be, I mean, you probably you probably can't mention Madeline Pryor without mentioning Scott. So at some point, you probably know that she's married to Scott. True. I guess. Maybe. Or maybe you don't. Maybe this is the first time you know all this stuff from the past.
1: So she's thinking to herself, she's like, why do the Marauders... Come after me again. Uh, the X-Men saved me. I wish they... I almost wish they hadn't. She tears up the newspaper. She's wondering if Scott was lying when she's, when he said that he loved her. Did the marriage vows mean anything? Why hasn't he tried to find me? Doesn't he care? Ugh. She thinks I lost him the minute he walked out my door. And I have even less hope of finding my son. She tears up the paper and throws it into the ocean.
0: Uh, down below, at the bottom of this uh, ridge slash cliff... Havoc is going for a, a jog and he is going through some own personal turmoil, reflecting the fact that he just shot at his girlfriend uh, who was possessed by a marauder, the leader of the marauders even, or at least he thinks. And he sees Madeline and he thinks she's about to jump for some reason. Um which well,
1: she, she's standing right at the edge, and and uh, they when he looks up, he it kind of looks like she's bracing for a for a jump. There.
0: Here's the thing: reading these uh, first couple of panels where she's standing on the edge and she's feeling bad about stuff and she's ripping up the newspaper. You know, I I never once thought she was in any danger from being on top of a cliff until Havoc sees her. And is like, oh my gosh, does she mean to jump? Yeah. And and my reaction is like, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> Not until you said something.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, so I don't I don't know if this could have been done any better way, but yeah, uh, or maybe 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 I'm just getting a disconnect here.
1: I don't know.
0: There's like, some good drawings of Madeline Pryor, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and. Alex, if you're into that sort of thing, he's all muscly and wearing shorts. He's ripped.
0: He is a a standard super heroic man.
1: Meanwhile, in the Rockies, um, Storm is so, whipped up so the batch. Yeah,
0: there. In the previous stuff with uh, Storm and Nazar, um, he never says anything about her going to go get um I guess he kind of references He he says he doesn't want to go to a doctor. He doesn't want white man's medicine. But he never says go get me some herbs or anything. It, it happens panel. He, he just says you're well and I'm fine with that, but he says you're gonna have to face this battle on your own is the last thing he says. And then we cut over to her giving her these this restorative brew that uh, she concocted, and I don't know, it's just weird.
1: He has uh, diminished in health, I guess, and so she's trying desperately to give him the brew that he instructed her to make. And he's like, I'll drink it if you
0: will. And she's like, I'm yeah. not sick. And he's like, not yet. He says a lot louder. <laughs> hey, uh, that brew prevents sickness. As well as cures it. The human being's equivalent of chicken soup. Do your world good, I promise. <laughs> Plus you got scratched by the eye killers, just like me. Why take chances? And he's got a big smile on his face as she takes a sip. That's my girl. Creepy old man.
1: She takes a drink and the whole world goes topsy turvy when a giant bear rips open the hut that they're staying in and it's snowing outside when it was just midsummer and the Bear is slashing at her, and Nas is laying on the ground. He's like, "Careful, Storm. That critter ain't what it seems." And they're so fighting.
0: Are we supposed to think that this is really happening? Because that—that was the question I had through this whole thing. I mean, to me, this is obviously not happening.
1: Right. It's pretty obvious that. I mean, it's it's a neat little transition, right? She takes a drink, and it's not like over time this happens. It's immediately after all this crazy stuff happens. But I don't know. I, I think when I was younger, I just didn't care (laughs) maybe and as i'm older i'm like well yeah he tricked her into drinking this for some reason and she's hallucinating this whole thing
0: i guess i I don't know i'm just curious as a as a uh, curiosity of the way that stories are told i i wonder if chris kerman intended for people to think this was really happening
1: i think the intention is for the reader to believe that this is actually happening and that the twist is it wasn't what spoilers (laughs) So she fights this bear. She falls into like this pond that was out back, but it's now all frozen solid.
0: She doesn't know where the winters come from. It it just happened.
1: And if she had her powers, she could fix this, but she doesn't. She's vulnerable, just like an ordinary human being. And that's when a, a giant snake demon from another dimension shows up and starts like the cover.
0: She assumes she assumes it's a demon, but I don't know. I just think it's a giant snake.
1: So it pulls her underwater. She grabs out her dagger. She stabs it in the neck and it, in the eye. In the eye, and it flings her out of the water, which is super helpful.
0: It flings her onto the cliff, which uh, she would rather have not done that for some reason. Um, she wanted to be on the shore, but this works just as well. She could probably get back to Nezi, uh <laughs> faster this way. And um, she hears she hears an eagle. The eagle is Forges' sign. Uh, Nez said his nearing. We were nearing his mountain of power. Is this madness his doing? And she gets attacked by the snake again, but then the snake gets a bomb dropped on it, sort of. But when she looks down, it's not just the snake that's been bombed. It's Vietnam below her. Vietnam with demons. Yeah, there's demons, including that snake. Uh, So she wonders if this was what Forge's Vietnam was like. like. Did he conjure these creatures to slaughter his enemies in Vietnam? Do we ever? Do we ever learn the answer to that? Don't know.
1: Don't know. <laughs> and she makes it to the top of the hill, and it's Forge, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm enjoying myself. Is that a crime? What's the point of having power if you don't intend to use it. I'm the maker." And so he hands, uh, holds out his hand, and his hands grow Lady Deathstrike
0: like claws. I was thinking, I was first, I was thinking Lady Deathstrike, but then I realized it's Cyberforce. Well. Which would go on to be, like, these are the hands of a particular Cyberforce character who I can't even remember the name of. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't I don't even know if I read Cyberforce. <laughs> might have been the phase where I was just buying it because it might be worth something.
1: Yeah. It's a number one. Buy it. Um, she, He pulls her up and uh, I think... I think this is maybe supposed to be like an eagle talon hand maybe Yeah
0: it's 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 all related to the eagle it's supposed to be well it reminded me of the eagle from a couple issues ago
1: Right and he pulls her close to give her a big old kiss and she says that she is bound to no one she pulls her dagger out from her leg and stabs forge in the gut and that's when her world comes swirling around her and she is back in the hut, her clothes are no longer ruined. Her body's no longer uh, bruised and cut. And she's like, "What happened? It was a dream."
0: I never imagined Forge capable of such ter- terror. It's a good thing I was only dreaming, is not what she thinks.
1: <laughs> Nazy is like, uh, "It all has meaning." <laughs> so yeah,
0: yeah, this is this is real life, man.
1: Think think um, about what just happened and try to figure out the meaning. And there's a lot of stuff
0: about how uh, Storm loves Forge in this issue. And it, I, you know, I guess we're supposed to believe that because they keep hitting us over the head with it. Right. But I wish that relationship had given a little more time to breathe so that I could I could actually. Like it, it doesn't have the power of like Madeline and Scott's relationship where we actually see them kind of get together and grow close.
1: Yeah. With uh, Storm
0: and Forge, we just get an issue.
1: Two issues, right? Wasn't life-death 2 an issue with them? Was it? I don't remember. Had to have been right.
0: Well, we get the issue where the first one, where I don't even remember which life death was, was, was which. There's only two. We get of the them. we get the first one where that's the one where he she's in his skyscraper building. Right. And that's where they first supposedly fall in love. And that one was a little tricky because the time wasn't clear how much time was passing.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: And I don't even remember what happens in the other one.
1: I don't either. Maybe the second one had nothing to do with Forge. Does she go to Africa to save a bunch
0: of people? Yeah, it might be that one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, she deduces that Forge is throwing the gate to chaos open. He, I don't know. Evil. He's evil. we got to stop him.
0: Whatever just happened to her, she doesn't connect that this is uh, Najee's doing, but... Rather, this is this is reality. Forge is a terrible, terrible person. And I must destroy him. And he smiles wickedly at that. I've got her. I've got her in my hands.
1: She doesn't see the smile nor the flash of triumph in the old man's eyes, nor is she aware of the snowfall beginning outside as reality begins to take on the warped madcap aspects of her dream. And the laughter of chaos echoes softly across the land.
0: She's got to pay more attention. This guy is like creepily smiling all the time, and she never (laughs) once notices it.
1: Yeah, she's a little dense when it comes to (laughs) nays. So Madeline's still on the rock cliff. Uh, Havoc has climbed up um,
0: very slowly. very slowly because he doesn't want to spook her.
1: Right, and they have a conversation about stuff. Madeline's like, "Why are they trying to kill me? I don't know why." And my husband, your brother, he's a jerk. Where is he?
0: Well, she basically says what I said, which is she's just a victim of all this. and yeah. yeah, yeah. It sucks because Scott really treated her terribly. And Alex says, mm-hmm. my life sucks too. Mm-hmm. And then he says, but you know what? All in all, and I just kind of learned this just now. The X-Men are kind of a family. So it's cool yes we'll support you at least we'll try to
1: uh uh, yeah i've only been to realize that we're strong because we stand by each other that way we can survive anything the way or that way no matter what we'll win you sure bet my life on it then chum so will i so madeline has joined the x-men i guess
0: i guess yeah (laughs) next the dark before the dawn well at the very least madeline didn't jump off of a cliff yes Although I never thought she was going to, but apparently she was.
1: No, it seems like a very uh, uh, cinematic thing to do, right? Reflect upon your life while standing on a cliff facing the sunset.
0: Yeah, I suppose.
1: I mean, when I was 16, had those circumstances lined up for me, I would have totally stood there and reflected on my life, <laughs> my 16 years, and been like, "Oh, I'm so tormented. All the bad things that have <laughs> happened to me." I wouldn't. Life cons- is
0: so hard. Right. I would.
1: Have, I would not have considered jumping into the water. I just would have been like, "This is what I'm supposed to do." Because I'm on the cliff and sunset. Do you forget mm-hmm. like?
0: Uh, uh, do you get vertigo at all? No. So if you're like super high up and you kind of look down, and all you can see is. Like the bottom you can't really see the terrain and it's just like a long drop, you don't get you don't get any sense of like nausea or vertigo.
1: Uh I mean I've never like been up in a hot air balloon or <laughs> I've never skydived, but I've been up on cliff faces before where certainly if you were to have fallen off the cliff you would be severely injured or dead. And no, I didn't have any of those those feelings. I couldn't tell you like if I was at a, the Grand Canyon looking straight down I couldn't tell you how I would feel. I suspect I, I'd be okay, but I don't your know.
0: Knee, your knees don't get wobbly or anything? Like, when you when you suddenly are are far enough off that if you lose your balance, you could potentially fall?
1: No. I, no, not, okay. on, not on one of those. Um, where that could possibly happen, and I think I've had dreams about this, is, you know, uh, those really narrow ladders that are sometimes on the side of, like, um, water towers or... Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I used even, to climb those. I never did, but I suspect that if I climbed up high enough, and then I looked down, I think yeah, everything would go weak, and I
0: would. And you'd fall.
1: <laughs> uh, I would probably be like clinging on to the ladder, and my feet would probably be dangling. And you know, I'd, I'd only be up like twenty steps, and somebody'd be like, "Just put your feet on the step." No, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I can't. They won't move. <laughs> Send a helicopter. I just want to ride in a helicopter. <laughs> Uh, anyways uh yeah so that was uh episode number or issue number two
0: twenty three sure was
1: um we uh yeah we got some uh fan communication here
0: we sure did we got a tweet
1: yeah tweet me
0: it's a uh, the original run uh, this is from at relatively underscore geek uh the original run of Archie ended with issue six sixty six a few years back um just relates to us talking about issues that Reached six sixty six in comics. Um, I looked it up, and uh, it didn't look like it had anything to do with the devil. Archie there didn't. Was not a, Archie a didn't. Special Archie episode of of sacrificing his the Archie series to the devil or anything like that. It was Arch, just another uh, shenanigans.
1: Archie didn't uh, um, uh, get with Sabrina the teenage witch to conjure up the devil to sell his soul or anything? No. Oh, that's that's disappointing.
0: But I think the series ended so they could do like new more adult oriented series such as the one with the zombies
1: or um I have Archie versus the Predator. I just haven't read it yet. I read it yet.
0: I saw that and I thought, "Nah."
1: <laughs> it was a trade paperback. It was like, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. I was like, "Well, you know, I'm willing to see how a predator kills Archie and the gang. And then I, I never read it. Uh, and I don't even think – so uh, Archie uh, – um, Afterlife with Archie, the zombie That's one. That's the
0: zombie one, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, there's, I'm not sure how it works, and I've done very little research on this. But I have – there's I believe there's supposed to be two trade paperbacks. I have the first trade paperback, which I've read did I buy you that one? Oh, you might have. And if you did, thank I, you.
0: I think I got you that for Christmas one year.
1: You may have. Um I read half of it. I liked it a lot and I was like, oh, I should really finish this. And then I started, you know, scouring Amazon and other places for the part because when I flipped to the last page it was like, you know, continued next issue and I was like, Well I want the whole thing now. And uh they either haven't finished publishing them or they never did, or there was such a limited run of the second version that I just can't find it. Oh, so I don't I don't know or maybe it's called something else. I think maybe maybe there was like an afterlife with Betty that it continues in that I don't know. Anyways, point is I never finished reading it.
0: I think there's a bunch of those now. Like there's a Sabrina the teenage which which is more occulty there's like Vampironica.
1: <laughs> Funny.
0: <laughs> so And then there's the the generally more adult themed version of Archie where it's it's Archie but they have uh it's more like a soap opera. Uh
1: have you watched Riverdale at all? Did we talk about Riverdale at all?
0: Uh, I don't know if we have, but I've watched the first few episodes and I, 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 I enjoy it. It's kind of like, I don't know, Twin Peaks meets Dawson's Creek.
1: I've never watched Dawson's Creek, but 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 sure. <laughs> Um, I, I liked the first season's like 12 uh, episodes long. This goes back to the thing I was talking about a few, few episodes ago. First season's 12 episodes long. It tells a story like a start to feel like somebody had a plan when they wrote it out. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, it ends and it ends on a little cliffhanger and whatever, which is cool. And then they get to the second season. And when it dropped on Netflix, finally, I checked out the episode list and I'm like 24? <laughs> 24, 24 of these Episodes, and sure enough, we started watching. I'm like filler episode, filler episode. Oh, filler storyline. Like, oh my god! Like, why isn't this just twelve episodes? Keep them. What you're saying is,
0: once you're done with season one, you can stop.
1: Kinda. (laughs) I I watched the next twelve episodes, and there's like a the cliffhanger is more or less resolved. I think it opens up a larger story, uh, but then it starts like the next arc. But I'm like, I don't know that I have the time for this.
0: So maybe you should. Like split it up into and pretend like the second season is actually two seasons. Well,
1: maybe. Um, but I think when the writers have like you know an entire you know six seven months to work on twelve episodes, it's a lot different than them having that same amount of time that they have to be forced to put out twenty four episodes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, name name a single show where the twenty four episode or twenty two or whatever. Episode run has been better than a, a show with a twelve episode run.
1: Late seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation.
0: <sighs> uh, I knew you were going to go there, <laughs> and I have to say though, those still had a lot of filler.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's it's more um, yeah, nostalgic than anything else. I bet if I rewatched it again, I'd be like, ooh, this episode's rough. This episode's rough. But even there were
0: there were probably twelve really highlighted episodes that that people really focused on, and then the rest are filler.
1: Yep. You're probably right, but I think even the filler episodes were kind of like a aha episode, or you know, and, like and, and,
0: and it's a different format too, like because right. that was a that was a one and done. Every episode, or unless it was a two parter, you ended up back where you started.
1: Right. So, so to have those one off stories where Riker does a solo adventure, you know,
0: yeah, it was okay. Where it wasn't a it wasn't a continuing thread. Where I think that's where when you have. Uh, 24 episodes or even in the case what how many episodes do the marvel shows have because they they do like 12 or 13 and that still feels like too many
1: it's 12 or 13 and i'm beginning to feel like it's too many because there's just too many series i almost wish at this point that each one of the series were like six episodes
0: yeah i was thinking like (laughs) every every one of them could have been cut down to eight
1: because because now so like i haven't watched iron fist uh, and i haven 't watched defenders i haven 't watched the second season of um, Jessica Jones, and I think there's a second season of Iron Fist starting and i haven 't watched the second season of luke Cage. i 'm just finishing up Punisher at I which never point watched Punisher I kind of like it it's it 's actually
0: i 've heard good things about yeah, most okay. of the season twos but yeah i' i 'm on the same boat with you. I did watch Iron Fist, which it was a was a slog through. Uh, and I did watch Defenders, which was fun, and then I haven't watched Punisher or any of the others since then.
1: So, so well, I guess what I'm saying is, I'll I'll get there. I will. It's uh, it's every intention of mine to watch them. But yeah, if they were just a continuing uh, secondary Marvel universe where it's just six of Daredevil, six of Jessica Jones, six of Luke Cage, and then when you get to the end of the year, like have a different writing staff. With a showrunner, and then just loop back around, and you essentially have an entire year's worth of programming, but a different writing staff, different acting staff, and different shows, and ah, whatever. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, we got an email from Jason Alberson. Uh, he says that he's been listening to the podcast now for about a 100 episodes. He looks forward to it weekly and loves how it helps him remember comic books. Um, he's read them multiple times over the year. While listening to the last episode, uh, two, two. Well, I guess episode two fifty
0: four. Wow. Wait, does that does that mean he started at episode one fifty four? I think so. Oh man, you're missing the the first nine are like the best ones.
1: Yeah, man, you got to <laughs> go back to the early stuff when when things were really fun.
0: <laughs> now we're just boring and old.
1: <laughs> yeah, back when we were young and fresh and full of hope and ideas, and our voices were higher. <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyways, he said uh, that I mentioned the band Front 242 as a formative band. Uh, when growing up, and uh, he was excited to hear that comment. He he loved uh, Front, and still loves Front 242. Oddly enough, he associates them with X-Men because he used to listen to them all the time while reading the comic books, and there's a song called Never Stop that uh, when he was reading the Genosha issues, he clearly could hear the word Genosha as a sample within that song. Uh, he says that some of his friends heard it as America, and he's wondering how I heard it. Um, I've got it queued up and Adam, I guess I'd like I'd like you to tell me what you hear uh, in the sample. It's it's within like the first twenty seconds here. Let me see if I can dial this up so that you can hear it. Okay. Here you here we go. The W I the W I the W I the W I.
0: yeah uh, so did you hear any of that yeah so it sounds like genosha but i'm wondering if that's because you just said genosha like eight times before you played oh, it
1: <laughs> maybe i wrecked it so at the very beginning of the song it, to me it sounds like the sample is dwi which i guess driving while intoxicated maybe and then uh oh, yeah so i grew up in wisconsin and there's a town called kenosha which is okay. south of us so when i first heard this song kenosha was always the thing that stuck in my head and then yes i read the genosha issues and then when i would listen to the song i would definitely hear genosha uh, he it doesn't
0: was, sound at all like america no
1: i don't know no yeah people that think that that sounds like america uh, are wrong because it's clearly <laughs> not saying america um he goes on to say that uh since the album came out about a year ahead of the comic he wonders if chris claremont was just Jamming off to some front two four two, and then made up Genosha.
0: Don't know, doubt <laughs> it. <I> don't, know. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But yes, uh, you're not alone. I I spoiled it for Adam, but totally. When I was a, a kid, I would hear either Kanosha or Genosha. I have. I mean, we could totally Google it, but um, let's just assume that they're saying Genosha.
0: Yeah, we might as well. I'm. I feel like if if Chris Claremont was listening to front two four two, there would be more references to it in the issues. Of, there would be like a bunch of subtle stuff and probably a whole lot of other like early industrial techno bands that would just be kind of things that we would recognize and be like, oh, that's a, that's a subtle reference to I don't know, uh
1: <laughs> I was waiting. I
0: was waiting to pull a reference. Uh uh yeah.
1: <laughs> you can't even pull nine inch nails out? Come I, on.
0: No, I thought of nine inch nails and I was like, I can't well, I can't say nine inch nails. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. the one that I can't say all right um no i was I was trying to i like i was i was I was trying to think of um uh there, there's a band that I can't think of the name of, but uh, the <laughs> the one that came to mind was latour oh um uh what is the one that I'm thinking of?
1: I would have pulled ministry just because that's a that's a good classic industrial band
0: well if you want to go like hard, hardcore industrial, you can go into like einstratten neubauten, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: although that's more like music concrete concrete
1: craft work you, you, a lot of craftwork uh, references in the x-men
0: oh yeah tons of them <laughs> they're all the
1: robots <laughs> and the pocket calculators
0: oh, i wish i could remember the one um
1: <laughs> it's not gonna happen adam
0: who who sings nymphomania i don't know oh that's such a good one nymphomania <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that might have been later when i was out of the industrial phase
0: no i think it was around the the, the, the same it was when you were living in canton
1: uh, then wouldn't I, I feel like I would have heard of it then. Nymphomania yeah. industry, industrial song. I want your body big 12 inch mix. That's, yeah. that's like a techno song.
0: Maybe the band is named Nymphomania.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's a band called Nymphomania. They sing a song called I want your body.
0: Maybe that's what i what I'm thinking of.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, well. I don't know. You were you were way more you you were way more into that stuff than I ever was. How
1: about how about was it Romstein? Romstein? Romstein.
0: Um they I I I wouldn't really qualify them as uh industrial. They were more they were more like a uh what's that? What's that other band? Uh what's the band that does Jesus Christ Superstar? What? <laughs> oh man, I was just listening to it the other day. The internet uh, says
1: that Romstein is more is uh industrial or is uh Heavy metal industrial.
0: Okay. And I guess... So, like, KMFDM type stuff?
1: Well, early KMFDM is very, like, clang, clang, keyboard, keyboard, and then later KMFDM is just, like, tons and tons of really crappy electric guitar. So, they went through a transition. I prefer, like, the older KMFDM stuff. When they started introducing all the electric guitars, like, look, if I wanted to listen to electric guitars, I'd just listen to Metallica, and I don't like Metallica. (laughs) So... Get your damn electric guitars out of my industrial. Unless you're going to like heavily sample it and alter it and make it into a cool sound. So there you go. If you'd like to chime in with, uh, you know, your favorite takes on industrial music, other issues that ended in 666, uh, or songs that have references to the X-Men or of the X-Men feel free to do so by connecting with us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast at Danger Room Go is where we can be found on Twitter you can email us Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com Subscribe to us on iTunes. Just go out to the podcast section, type in Danger Room, or the first podcast that shows up, or you can leave us a voicemail at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollifeld. And We've got a few issues left to cover here.
0: Liebach, that's what I was thinking of. Ah,
1: all right, all right. There's only, like, one Liebach song I liked, uh, and i I don't remember what it was called
0: you should listen to their Jesus Christ superstar cover it's amazing
1: okay i'll I, <laughs> I'll put it on my my Apple music tomorrow at work
0: Don't listen to any of the weird remixes though
1: oh just it's got to be like yeah
0: because they're not as good I mean there's you know there's they're okay but sure it's it's the uh, the the album version, which is the good one, but it's very. Uh, it it. Uh, I feel like Rammstein was heavily influenced by Leibach.
1: What about Snog or Wumpscut?
0: I've never heard of either of those. <laughs> okay, but but they want me. They make me want to say Snizzle for some reason.
1: <laughs> I don't know that there was a band called Snizzle, but there should have been Skinny Puppy. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I loved Skinny Puppy for a while.
0: I recall you were big into Skinny Puppy.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> they were they were industrial animal activists.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That makes sense. So. Uh, everybody seems to have like some sort of uh, thing, like political reason for being. Uh, well, you know, it was the '90s. So I read uh, Fallen Angels issue seven and eight because I noticed that Boom Boom is back in X Factor. Yep. So I figured we better wrap this damn thing up. Yep. So I will summarize both of them. Um, so in the last issue, they all got transported to the Coconut Gro- Grove, which was uh, what's your faces. Uh, Homeworld, um, Ariel, Lila Chenay. No, no, she's not in this. Oh, but you could mispronounce Ariel like Ariella. <laughs> anyway, in the Coconut Grove, everybody dresses like a superstar, and the Fallen Angels discover that they're meant to be used as text, test subjects because the the Coconut Grove people don't haven't had a mutation in a millennia, so they they kidnap all of the uh, Fallen Angels in order to do tests on them. Uh, this was Ariel and Chances' plot all along, but then it turns out that Chances has a mutant power and. Uh it's been happening all along in these issues subtly where she either doubles or removes nearby mutant powers. So her name Chance comes into play because her power is double or nothing.
1: Get oh, it? I, I boo.
0: <laughs> so she's also taken and then it turns out that Ariel also has a mutant power of persuasion which is how she got Chance to go along with her in the first place. So she also gets kidnapped. The angels escape and turn the tables on the, the Grove bad guys and Ariel Chan, and Chance also help and they all get back together and Jamie's dupe sacrifices his freedom to merge back with Jamie and Bobby and Warlock decide to return to the New Mutants after all this is resolved and uh, Bobby has a new idea about how a hero should act and he doesn't feel as bad for what he did to Sam Um, and then Jamie, Madrox and Siren decide to stay with the the Fallen Angels. How about that? And I looked it up and the Coconut Grove and Chance and Gomi and Bill, the lobster, never appear in a Marvel comic book again. Aww. <laughs> but everybody else does, including Ariel and, uh, well, she's the only other weird one. Well, dun, dun, dun. Uh, that's sad. So this series could have been probably four issues.
1: Yeah, it certainly or,
0: seemed long. Or no issues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also seemed like didn't really have much of a point. Or maybe like a
0: double-sized issue. <laughs>
1: Well, I suppose that probably leads right into X-Factor number 22. sure does. Uh, uh, X-Factor number 22, as you recall, these smiley faces had just barged into the X-Factor complex, and they handily take down the kids, put little mutant-inhibiting helmets on them, and Caliban comes out and he's like, You can't take the kids. Caliban will protect them. And uh, they shoot him full of tranquilizers and leave him for dead. no not caliban yeah they're they're all like he's worthless nobody wants him that's why they left him behind so we're not going to take him either because he's worthless and he hears all this that's smart (laughs) so uh x-factor heads through the morlock tunnels back to the x-factor complex Uh, as does Boom Boom as she's returning from the Fallen Angels. And she's like, where is everybody? And she sees, uh, first of all, what she thinks is a dead Caliban. She's like, ew, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And then she spies uh, them boarding a plane with all the X-Factor kids. And she's like, what am I going to do? And she she sneaks onto the airplane. Uh, X-Factor returns, finds Caliban. They're like, oh, my God, he almost died. Miracle's still alive. we got to go find the kids. And Caliban's laying in his bed. He's like, I'm worthless. They attacked. and I couldn't do anything. Why am I so worthless? This is important, the fact that he thinks he's worthless. Yes, yes, it is. That's why I'm harping on it. (laughs) And so they're like, we're going to go to Arlington because somebody said Arlington. And uh, uh, Caliban suits up in his little purple X-Factor uniform. He's like, I want to come, too, because I'm a hunter. And Cyclops is like, no, you're useless. He doesn't say that. He's like, no, you stay behind. And he's like, but I can help. And finally, they're like,
0: whatever. Come on. Well, it's true. He can help. He can. That's his mutant power. That's the one thing he's not useless at. And Cyclops is still like, I don't know. Maybe you should
1: stay behind. But he doesn't. Uh, The smile faces, uh, they're causing all sorts of trouble. Um, Apparently they're taking them to a science museum. Uh, Boom Boom is just trying to blend in when she starts playing with some of the exhibits as you're supposed to do in a science museum because she's trying to fit in. But it turns out that the helmet is actually a psychic analyzer which detects mutant powers and they pull up her file and they're like that's boom boom we gotta go get her and boom boom sets off bombs she ends up finding and freeing richter um we get a brief interlude of apocalypse who is testing out his fourth horseman who now has his wings wonder who this could be (laughs) and the rest of the uh the other three horsemen are like well so what it's wings it's stupid we got our beasts we can fly and uh War's like, quiet, there's got to be something more to it. And that's when this fourth uh, horseman with his wings just flies through a whole bunch of metal, destroying it and leaving it lying like so much slag. And Apocalypse is like, yeah, now we're going to show ourselves to the world. What's weird is, like, he... And I think you even commented on this. It's like, why does he and Mr. Sinister need, like, all these lackeys if they're so powerful? (laughs) Why don't they just go do it themselves?
0: They're very lazy.
1: I guess. Anyways, they're torturing Richter. Uh, Boom Boom frees Richter, though, after a little bit. Uh, Richter's like, I've been here before. I'd rather die than be here. They torture us. And Tabitha's like, stop talking like that. We're going to get out of here. They end up getting trapped by hanging on to some scaffolding when uh, Richter's like, oh, that's their leader. I recognize his voice. And Boom Boom's like, I also recognize his voice, but I don't know that guy. Until the very last panel when he pulls off his helmet and she's like, that's Cameron Hodge. I know him.
0: Obviously.
1: (laughs) And he is the leader of the right. But I mean, I guess... This the reveal is like ta-da, but you already which surprises
0: notice. no one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've they've alluded to it, not even alluded
1: much. to it. The the last issue, Cameron Hodge calls in a strike from the Smile Faces. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, it's a it's a, a surprising reveal that's not surprising at all. No, that's X Factor twenty-two.
0: Uh, Newmans number fifty-eight. The Newmans are grounded from their shenanigans with bird brains, so they're trying to teach him. To speak English and learn his language, and they watch some TV with him, and there's more shenanigans.
1: I got to say, Adam, I didn't read this issue, but it looked rough.
0: It, it's, I, I don't know, it, 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 like, what, how do you mean it looked rough? Like, the artwork wasn't great, or? So, the artwork
1: is definitely unique and certainly is of its own style, so I don't want to say it's not good, but it just... I don't know. The whole thing looked rough. Like it looked like nothing was happening. There's something about some hamburgers. It just looked weird.
0: This is yeah, nothing really does happen in this issue. They goof around. And it's kind of a repeat of the last issue except that we learn a couple things. Um I do actually like the artwork at this one because like you said it is kind of of its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I like the way Bird Brain is drawn in this. Um they give Bird Brain a new mutants outfit and he's very happy about that. Um, that's sort of important. And then he flies back to his own, uh, the island where he comes from. He tries to steal, he, he takes some burgers to fly back to his island and he's not going to make it. So the Newmans help him out by teleporting him there and then they get surrounded in the end. Yeah, this, this is not the best story at all. It's not terrible, but it's not like, it's not fallen angels level. But it's uh, it, it's not terrific either. It, I feel like this whole thing is just kind of, was it Louise Simonson figuring out the ropes of the New Mutants? So, I don't know. But uh, Wolverine has a cameo in Daredevil 248. Uh, Bushwhacker has his first appearance. He's a hired gun who murders mutants and his arm changes into a gun. Yay. And
1: uh, I'm guessing <laughs> this is setting is, up like the next issue of Daredevil. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: I mean, there's only, like, two pages with Wolverine in it, and uh, he is hunting Bushwhacker, and uh, it seems like we're the next issue we're going to get, the killer Wolverine. I'm Wolverine. I kill people. I'm bad. I have no morals, that Wolverine.
1: Ah, I'm familiar with him.
0: Meh. <laughs> I also read uh, uh, Wolverine was also in Alpha Flight 53, which... <gasps> I uh, saw
1: this. This was exciting for me.
0: Jim Lee did the cover and the pencils, and yeah. Will Sportacio did the inks inside, and Jim Lee, I think this is... This is definitely some early Jim Lee um, uh, Marvel work I don't know if it's his earliest work but uh, it's it's probably his first Wolverine which is cool
1: it's it's not bad either I mean it's yeah. it, not like uh, you know you kind of look at um, Todd McFarlane's first stuff and you're like okay it's not really you know what you're used to but but yeah uh, there's definitely like the future superstar Jim Lee uh, elements of that are featured in this issue it's not all the way there, but it's it's very close
0: he draws a very good Wolverine, which kind of mm-hmm. makes me wonder if Chris Claremont is like, hmm. "Hey <laughs> <laughs> or somebody somewhere is like, "Wow, he draws a really good Wolverine. We should get him on Wo- we should get him on the Wolverine series. What is that called Wolverine and the x men <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so um Bedlam gets the drop on Alpha flight and destroys the mansion and defeats them very easily and brings them to his North Pole hideout. And Bedlam is this guy that we learned about in the last issue that Hudson, uh, Mac Hudson sort of created. Uh, Wolverine arrives at the mansion too late in his super jet. But Jeffries is still there and they track Bedlam to the North Pole. I'm not sure how. Oh, because I guess Bedlam left some uh, obvious trackers because he wants them to track them. Because he wants revenge on Wolverine because Wolverine was there when he was created. Uh, Bedlam has Alpha Flight fight his own team, the Derangers, which has a guy in it who looks like Jason X.
1: Oh, really?
0: The best Jason. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's also an early prototype Deadpool, which like makes me wonder if, like I don't know, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee just really enjoy drawing Deadpool type people. I mean, we know that we know that Deadpool is very much a ripoff of DC's Deathstroke. I think it is.
1: Yes, Deathstroke, and the Terminator,
0: da- down to like the name. It's like I think Wade Wilson, and then Deathstroke's name was Slade Wilson. Hmm. It didn't do much to cover that up. Nope. So even Jim Lee is drawing these kind of uh, Spider-Man-esque guys with slightly different costumes. It's very Deadpool-y. Anyway, Wolverine and box show up, and it it is revealed by Bedlam to uh, uh, Heather Hudson that Mac Hudson definitely did not turn Wolverine into Weapon X. Although he uses the fact that Wolverine doesn't know that against him and kind of manipulates him. But... But Heather figures it out. So it's official. Mac Hudson's not that bad. Uh, Heather is able to defeat Bedlam the same way Mac did back in the day by programming her Vindicator suit to act separately from her mind because Bedlam is able to uh, take over minds. But when she pre-programs her suit to just kind of fight him for her, it's no longer acting through her mind and she's able to win that way. Yay! (laughs) Yay, indeed. I don't think Jim Lee returns the next issue.
1: <laughs> this Is just a filler issue by Jim Lee?
0: Maybe he does. I don't know. Weird. Well, I mean, this is a filler issue by an upcoming artist, so. Hmm, fair point. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll try to remember to let you know <laughs> Thank if you. I actually read Alpha Flight 54, which I might not. <laughs> I don't know.
1: All right, then.
0: All righty, then.
1: Well, I think that about covers it for us this time.
0: This has been Techno Talk with Adam and Jeremy
1: more industrial we can talk prodigy and uh i don't know who else
0: prodigy was my probably my first big uh techno ish group okay yeah that that first album experience it's good stuff
1: uh is that the one with um um
0: it's the one that doesn't sound like any of the other ones
1: well, the, no, well, there's, it was called, I was called, you're right, it was called the, I was actually listening to smack my person up today, <laughs> which as Not I fair. was listening to, it, I was like, this is totally inappropriate. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm trying to look for a deeper meaning of like, I wonder what this could actually mean, but I don't know. Anyways, uh. Yes, the first album was very generic-y, garbage techno, and then then he dropped yeah. that, and you're like, whoa.
0: Well, then they then they did a in between album, music of to the jilted generation. I like that one too. Yeah. Which is that's that's mostly instrumental, not a lot of samples, but it's, it's it's very good.
1: It's halfway in between, I think. I like it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah, the like nothing really like could have expected Fat of the Land.
1: Right right
0: that just came out of nowhere yep i don't think anybody expected it i was i was in traveling in europe and like firestarter was out and people were like loving it and i was like wait this is prodigy
1: yes uh, yeah that song was huge in all the clubs man
0: and that that video with what's his name devil haircut guy
1: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he was uh he wasn't i mean yeah. There was no band, it was just one guy. But for I guess the videos and for touring, he's like, Hey, freaky hair people, why don't you just come on stage and dance?
0: Yeah, and then those guys became the representations of the band.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff.
0: And and then and then I think they left to pursue alternative careers <laughs> and then went nowhere.
1: <laughs> Wait, we don't know how to play instruments. <laughs> what do we do?
0: And ultimately I believe they returned because what else
1: (laughs) what else are they gonna do yeah good stuff all right well uh until next time my name's jeremy my name's adam and the danger room is closed